computer, activated virus defense. Prepare to download. Hello and welcome to the official podcast for the 28th Annual FIRST Conference in Seoul, South Korea. The conference is taking place between June the 12th and June the 17th. For more information, go to www.first.org. We're here tonight to talk about Sharing is Caring, a talk by Alex Sierra and Alex Pinto from Nidel Security. Now, Alex Sierra, you're the CTO. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Hello. And Alex Pinto, you are the chief data scientist. Now, what's the difference between a CTO and a chief data scientist? Does one get the money and the other one does the work? No, it's actually we have a very good definition of good separation of duties here. <clears throat> so I come up with the weird things and he makes sure them work. So it's 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 very very well defined. Okay. Now your talk yeah, that's the, a very the, accurate description, yeah. Good to have a good partnership there. Um, the underlying understatement for your um, talk is understanding measuring threat intelligence sharing effectiveness. So Let's start with the uh, the basic underpinning of your talk. What is threat intelligence? Oh my God, it's one of those things where if you ask uh, three people in a room, you'll get five different definitions, right? So uh, really for the purpose of this talk and the analysis we have been doing, we are um, um, in analyzing what is now commonly called maybe either technical or tactical threat intelligence, which would be the, the actual indicators of, some people call them indicators of compromise, there's several different names. This, it's, it's really, it, it can get really confusing when you look into it. So this talk is really about how people are pretty much sharing and trying to understand the effectiveness and the use of IP addresses, domain names, uh, a hash uh, of files, right? as they pertain to, oh, I'm potentially infected by something, or this is something that's very, that, that's interesting. So the talk doesn't really go into the definition of threat intelligence, but we definitely clarify that this is what we're going for as we're talking through those things. Now, it sounds like you're looking at multiple different data feeds to test them against one another. Are they all giving the same type of data, or is it a messy conglomeration that you have to do a lot of data scrubbing on to try and make apples meet up with apples. Yeah, there is a there is an old saying in the data science world is that actually ninety percent of the work is just uh, being a data janitor, right? Just making sure that whatever source that you're trying to read from is clean enough, so then you can work with it, right? The work that we did on this talk and the work that we did uh, on the previous talk as well, which we featured on on last year at first, right? was trying to compare and uh, tell apart both IP addresses and domain names as they show up on those feeds, right? So it's really network-based indicators, right? We decided to, to put the scope, to narrow the scope there, especially because the amount of information you have right now on file hashes is so overwhelming and largely useless, right? Uh, unless yeah. you have very few narrow use cases. We had to... Yeah, you know, at, at the work... Them. 
started, we, we, we even have one of the tools that's being uh, published under the MLSEC project umbrella, which is called Combine, that really addresses what you're saying is getting data from different feed sources and, and normalizing it so it becomes easier to use. But as Mr. Pinto was explaining, we started out with a broader, uh, broader uh, data set, but we eventually, af after we started analyzing and looking at the application, we ended up focusing more on what we call the outbound network uh, indicators. So when we talk about outbound, we're talking at, at the sort of thing you would look for on traffic that's leaving your organization's network. So machines going out to CNC, machines going out to download droppers or, or, or things like that, which is, I think, most of the value is. Uh, and uh, But if you look at the earlier versions of the presentation, you'll see different analysis and the different conclusions that were drawn from both the inbound and outbound data and also different data types. It almost sounds like it was the data was too dirty to make conclusions from it when you try and add everything in. Is that the case? Sorry. The data has different levels of usefulness depending on which part of the data set you're looking for. So, for instance, if you look at the inbound data, basically the entire Internet is out to get you. Everyone's scanning everyone. <laughs> And, uh, and so there's, there's, very, uh, there's a lot less use that you can make with the inbound indicators, knowing who it is that's doing the scanning, than you can do with the outbound indicators. So we're, we're trying to look, uh, of course, there's valid data, data analysis to be done on, on, on the entire data set of, of threat intelligence. But uh, the more value to be had in our experience was on the outbound uh, data sets. And, and I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Mr. Pinto. You were saying it's very close to what you were saying, right? And again, this is another dirty word on uh, that the security vendors use a lot, which is the actionable part of the intelligence, right? And uh, oh my of, god, yeah, you, you said actionable. I did, I did. Gonna have to uh, drink something. Uh, what happens is that, at least in our experience, right, the, the the amount of value, the amount of things you could actually do uh, when you were looking at the inbound data, right? I, I mean, okay, someone's scanning you on the internet. What you're going to do? Okay, let's block this on the firewall. Job done. There's hardly a lot of different things, a lot of uh, analysis or a lot of uh, things that you, you, you should be doing on that. So we, for, for this talk and, and mostly uh, on the work that we do at Nido as well, we really focus on, on the outbound thing. Right, on, the, on what those outbound network indicators look like. And there, there are several different conclusions from the talk over time. And this is really us, after analyzing, and, and just to give you some, some perspective on, on what this talk is about, after analyzing last year how uh, threat intelligence feeds compared against each other's, right, and uh, taking a stab at measuring those things, right? What you should be worried about? Should you be, you, you be worried about on how often do these feeds uh, update themselves or how much do they get cleaned up? Uh, how old is, it, is the average indicator there? Which are all things that when you're looking at this massive, massive amounts of data, you, you at least can help you get a feel if the people who are using the feed, they're doing a good job or not. So we, we really went to, to very... Uh, large lengths, I think, right on on the previous talk, on trying to uh, to to differentiate. I mean, is more data good, right? Should I go for all the data, right? And we got to a lot of conclusions that it doesn't really matter to hoard all the data. It's actually something that's impossible, right? It's interesting that this specific analysis actually was featured on the on the DBIR last year. Uh, they had a threat intelligence segment on 2015. Right, and we were invited to to help write that based on on this conclusion. They didn't have a threat intelligence segment this year. Maybe we we just had solved everything last year. I'm I'm joking. But um, this talk uh, is really was kind of a a response to the response that we got on this talk, right? 
because when we started, the DBIR went out, and I'm pretty sure uh, you can appreciate that, Martin, uh, when you publish something, like something on the internet report, right? Everybody will take that report, and no matter what the what was the analysis that you did, no matter what your intent was, people will use that for anything, right? They will just get your words and say, well, what he actually meant was this, right? People said that what we actually meant was that this is what threat intelligence sharing was going to solve, because if we, we all shared and were happy, then everybody would have perfect coverage, so that's really what got us to do this follow-up, which is, oh, is that so? Okay, let's have a look at how, how sharing really works, or at least how it should work. So it's, it sounds like everyone's looking at this kind of information and this kind of data sharing through their own lens and, and taking their own uh, viewpoint on things. So were you able to, to come up with kind of a, a set of, of standards or a set of guidelines that differentiates a good feed versus a bad feed, or is it not as simple as that? Just to make a quick distinction here, right? It's one thing to evaluate the feeds, right? Which was uh, what we were doing before, right? And there's a lot of different quality measures that you can use. And uh, one that we enjoyed very much and was very helpful, not only for the community at large, and a lot of people got back to us saying that they were, very, they were actually using our, our techniques on, on the work that they were doing. But also for us, it's like how much overlap were at dif uh, different feeds. So if I was to buy a new threat intelligence feed, uh, is this something that I would, am I actually getting new data? Am I getting data that's relevant to me based on the stuff that maybe I can get for free or from uh, some sort of, uh, of semi-private environment that I have access to, right? And really about the sharing and again, I make the distinction here because although a lot of people will use the sharing communities as a feed, right? Oh, I'll just consume the data that they have there because they're sending me stuff and, and I'll just treat that as a feed. They were obviously not designed to do that, right? They were designed for people to actually collaborate. And this is actually one of the, the issues that we, we see is that there is not, there's not a lot of, of, uh, of feedback. There's a lot of, lot of, not a lot of engagement right, of people on those environments for several reasons, right? Maybe they, they just don't care, that that's perfectly valid, right? Maybe they don't have the legal armor or the legal preparation, so to speak, to be able to share data of presumptive uh, breaches that they have back, right? Or even they don't have the technical ability uh, in order to, oh, I, I, I identify this piece of malware, and now I know that this is beaconing out to a specific command and control server, and this is information that's actually going to be useful for other people. It's something that, that I should share, right? So we tried to identify those challenges as we were putting this talk together and trying to figure out ways of, if you are in a threat intelligence sharing environment, how can you measure how good the sharing environment or, or whomever is, is actually uh, organizing this? be it self-organized or have like a central uh, uh, environment that's taking care of that? How can you measure uh, the work that you're doing and maybe have something to uh, uh, set a bar to improve? Some of those difficulties that you're mentioning, Mr. Pinto, uh, come about from the fact that most of the organizations we have been interacting with uh, in, in recent years have all uh, only agreed on one thing, is that Doing threat intelligence work, real, actual, practical threat intelligence work, requires really qualified people. The people that, that uh, need to be involved to be able to actually use threat intelligence data properly, 
even more so to generate new threat intelligence that would then be shared on the sharing community, uh, those people are hard to find. And there are not a lot of them out there. So I think it's all aggravated uh, by this this lack of qualified people. So most organizations probably won't be able to to share back if they wanted to, which ties into part of the response. Is, is, is threat intelligence sharing going to solve everything? So there are practical limitations into how much sharing can happen uh, in our market uh, because of practical considerations like this one. And then what we're trying to do is present them, structure them in a way that makes it easy for everyone to understand and, and find the quantitative measures that we can, can get and analyze to substantiate our hypotheses and, uh, and try to help the sharing communities and the members of sharing communities find a, a good path forward to maximize the benefit that they can have from, from threat intelligence sharing. That's, that's the, uh, the most important goal of this, this talk. It, it almost sounds to me like you're saying that threat intelligence as a product is not necessarily going to be useful. Instead, you're setting up threat intelligence as a way to show and measure what the community is giving back to itself, how, how you as a, a user can participate in the community and measure both what you're putting into it and what you're getting out of it. Is that correct? So I think the one thing that needs to be clear is that threat intelligence, I don't think threat intelligence is a product. I think threat intelligence is currently what is being sold is data. Right, uh, uh, which can be lower level technical data or it can be strategic data. And you will need some sort of process to be able to take advantage of that data. But threat intelligence is never a product. And so the difficulty that some organizations have been facing in using threat intelligence, even the, ta the, the tactical, the, the technical IOCs to put them to work properly is, is, is a huge challenge still in the market. Uh, having said that, threat intelligence is far from useless, but qu quite the contrary. It can be really, really useful in inner security posture. But again, how do we find out what the best way forward is in helping people take the best use, possible use of, of threat intelligence? And in fact, this, is, this has been our concern for over three and a half years now. And it's one of the things that we believe we are addressing better with our work at, at, at Needle, which is a separate thing from, from, from the research. But uh, we, we, I think we are approaching the, this problem from two different angles. There's this public aspect with the public research where we're trying to, to drive the conversation forward and provide guidelines for people that are consuming threat intelligence directly, uh, manually with their own processes, try to, to guide and measure things that can help the sharing communities improve and, and the feed providers improve. And we're also working on the automation side of things uh, with, with Needle uh, and, and, and its offerings. So, Again, trying to push the envelope and trying to help the, the community, the, the information security community, uh, get as much benefit as possible from, from this data, which is pretty valuable. And, and the people that do generate it are doing amazing work. Uh, if only we had enough of them. Alex, anything to, to add on that as a final comment? I think I just wanted to add, like, it's one of those things, right, which, which Martin was referring to. And uh, in security, we love to put the cart before the horses. We're very easily distracted by oh, this is the new shiny thing that people should be doing in security. And maybe the reason why we're failing or not doing something properly uh, is because we're not doing this new shiny thing right now that allegedly will, will solve everything. So it's not the, the talk and the research is, is, is not in any way trying to say that sharing is bad or sharing should be done. It's just that it's, being, it's really being sold as something that's not able to deliver right now. 
we do believe there's a framework for it to be better. And we, we talk about how, what we believe should be the way forward for some of these sharing communities. What, what are we lacking in technology? What are we lacking in processes in order to, to, to make those things work better? Uh, but uh, just like the other talk, the talk before, which uh, only focused on threat intelligence feeds, uh, what we tell people is that don't even begin to think about this. Don't even begin to think about a sharing community or a feed until you have a process on your on your organization that actually is able to handle this, right? And uh, we, we just have to be very careful. It's it's uh, um, what uh, I've been discussing with a few of our my friends is that who are in the threat intelligence community is that the way the threat intelligence platforms are being presented now is very similar to the way that sims were being presented 10 years ago, right? Oh, if you buy this, it's going to solve all your problems. But again, you have to write all the rules. You have to make everything work for that. You, you still have to build your own process in order to be able to, 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 to make those things work, right? Sure, it will help you with the parsing. It will help you with the putting all the data in one bucket. But now what, right? And we've seen, especially the pushback we've seen on threat intelligence on several different, everywhere, to be, to be honest. It, it comes from this realization that the now what, nobody's really, very few people are prepared to answer the now what uh, question, right? So uh, we want to make sure that people are thinking of that, but also they don't dismiss threat intelligence as something that's useless, right? It's, we're just not using it. I know it, I sound like Steve Jobs now with the iPhone 4. Maybe we're just not using it right. Maybe not holding the phone right, if you know what I mean, <laughs> right? But we just have to be careful. We just have to understand what are the limitations, right? L like everything. Like, it seems like a lot of security is always about, oh, this is what's going to solve everything. And this is something that really gets me, gets me worked up. And this is one of the reasons why we put together all these calls that really try to explain to people what do things mean and how you can how you should frame those tools and those things inside your mind if you want to be the best possible use of them well it sounds like people should be uh, attending your talk at the upcoming conference to, to think a little bit about what's next and how they can use this data in a, in a useful way instead of just consuming it and expecting it to to fix all their problems so thank you very much, guys, for, for taking the time to have a quick chat with us about the, uh, the presentation. I look forward to further discussions in Seoul. Awesome. Thanks a lot for the time. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to the official podcast of the 28th Annual First Conference in Seoul, South Korea. Occurring June 12th through 17th, 2016. Thank you very much for listening.